have you here today. Would you turn to your neighbor, just say hello to each other, greet each other. It's the start of a new year and we're glad you're here.
for allowing us the privilege to be here today, Lord, on this Sunday. I know it's cold outside, Lord God, and just um, knowing that you are the creator of the universe, the creator of the weather, the creator of our lives. You love us so unconditionally, and we thank you for that. So, Lord, as we bring ourselves before you this morning, just help us to praise your name and glorify you because you are worthy. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let us love you today. Amen.
Amen. Welcome to Crossroads. Aren't you glad to be here? On this cold, cold morning, we're glad that you're here. It's a warm welcome inside. Please pass the friendship folders down the aisle this morning. We appreciate you uh, helping us with that there this morning with the friendship folders. Uh, just, just a few announcements. Um, out in the foyer, I've given uh, some Bible reading plans. I want to encourage everyone to jump in and get involved and, and, and read God's Word this year. There are several plans out there. We have everything from five minutes a day, five days a week, to uh, one chapter a day. There's the 365 key biblical chapters uh, in a year. Many people will pick that up, and I think that was one of our most popular out there. I'd encourage you to, uh, to pick up one. There's five-day reading program, read the Bible through in a year in five days. Uh, and then there's another reading program just to read the Bible through in a year. I want to encourage you because as you get to know God, you get to hear from Him. You read His Word. He speaks to you. So uh, that's my encouragement to you. Pick one of those up. They're free. They're in the foyer. They're on a table next to the Welcome Center. So I want to encourage you to pick up a a Bible reading schedule there. And then our our next announcement on the screen there this morning, see what we have here, is our life groups. Uh, I want to encourage you to jump in and be involved in a life group. If, uh, if you, uh, there's a, a line item in the bulletin about a life group, there's an email address there. You send an email and uh, we'll be sure to get you into a life group. January is a great time to get connected. Uh, we, we have a number of life groups that have taken off this fall. They'll be reconvening here in the next week or two. And there'll be many more new, new groups that we want to start. So if, if you say, hey, I'd, I'd like to host a group. I'd like to, I'd like to be a part of a group. Uh, please let us know. You can, you can see Rhonda. You can email or you can stop by the Welcome Center and leave your information there and they will, they will be glad to help you. If you're our guest today, please stop by our Welcome Center and we would encourage you to, uh, to stop by and we have a nice gift for you, uh, a welcome gift uh, to our church today. And uh, God has just been so good. God is moving mightily. I want to thank you, our church. So many people worked so hard through the month of December from Thanksgiving all the way up to last Sunday. I'll tell you, uh, with, with Christmas falling on a Sunday, New Year's falling on a Sunday, uh, our services have just been so well attended. We're just thanking God for all that He's doing. And I thank God for the army of people out there that are serving across the board, from children's ministries, through our dessert theater, through through the services, music, all, all over the place. God is just doing something new in our church, and it's really wonderful and really exciting. People's lives are being changed right here in Finleyville. And in addition to that, we have our birthday gift to Jesus that uh, we're able to take our church and we're able to reach out around the world. So not only are our lives being changed here, but we've started this fund. We, uh, we asked you to pray about your part and pray about that we would hit the goal of $80,000 and uh, we're able to uh, to help these missionaries around the world. And so I'm I'm going to ask uh, I'm going to ask Eric for a drum roll. I'm going to share with you here what is the uh, our, our latest update because we have gone over. I want you to see this. All right. So the drum roll, please. There. All right. A hundred and nine thousand. Let's give our God a hand, huh? I, uh, I, I want to thank you for your generosity. Thank God for how that he has provided for you. Number one, we asked you to pray. You prayed. We asked you to pray that we would hit the goal. We went over. We asked you to pray about your part, 
and you've been responding. So I want to thank God for all that he's done in this place. Uh, can you just imagine the joy on those people whenever they receive? Uh, imagine the joy on our end. It's been great to give, isn't it? There's nothing greater than giving. It's wonderful that God's given us the resources, and when we give, that is really one of the most fun things that we can do with our money is to give, to be generous. And so God's allowed us to be generous, and uh, I want to thank God's people this morning. I want to thank God and, uh, and just worship Him. So the, the amount that's come over, uh, over, over that goal will still be used for missions, and we're excited about what God is going to do in the days ahead. But uh, let's give our God one more hand. That is just incredible, isn't it? 109,000. You, you can still continue to give if you'd like to give to that offering. Just mark it as such birthday gift to Jesus. And so I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. If you're here today as our guest, I want to encourage you to let the offering pass you by um, because that is, uh, this is for those that are growing regularly in the grace of giving. And, uh, and we're just so excited about what God is doing here in, in the hearts and in our lives. And uh, let's just come to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you, and I just thank you for all that you're doing with all these folks' lives, Lord. You're moving mightily in the church. People's lives have been changed. God, as we went through the month of December, we just saw uh, over and over and over your mighty hand at work here. We saw families come to Christ. We saw people coming to you, Lord. I thank you for our army of, uh, of volunteers here that just step up to the plate and serve you, Lord. They, serving through the dessert theater, serving through the month of December, and now, Lord, serving every Sunday, week in, week out, Sunday, Wednesday. Lord, you're doing great things in this place. Thank you for how you've grown us, you've taken us deeper. And Lord, I thank you this morning. I praise your name. How great is our God. What an awesome God, Lord. We worship you because uh, we came before you and we asked you, Lord, that, that uh, if you would provide that we would give it, Lord. And, and you've done that. You provided for your people and they have given, Lord. And so, Lord, as we continue to give, we just continue to watch you move mightily. I, I just pray that uh, you'll continue to, to bless our church, Lord. Bless us in, the, in, the, in these areas of growth. And, Lord, for all those missionaries that are going to be receiving those, those gifts, Lord, we're just so excited about what's going to happen. Lord, you said where you guide, you'll provide. And I thank you that you have guided us this far. You've provided for us. And we're just excited about the new days ahead, some new and exciting things that you're going to do in our church and in our lives. And uh, we, we bless your name this morning. Lord, be with your people as they respond to you in giving now. In your name we pray. Amen.
we've started a new series this morning, Reset, and I think that uh, this is a time of year when you're thinking about that a lot, aren't you? You're thinking about some areas of your life that you'd like to improve on, that you'd like to, to reset. Uh, you, you know, when, when you have a computer, uh, one, of the, one of the greatest things to solve and fix so many things computer-related is to hit the reset button, okay? Uh, if you call tech support, you will, uh, you know, your, your computer's frozen up and it's jammed up. You call tech support. You're likely to get somebody in another country uh, in the middle of their night that's answering the phone and, uh, and they'll say, hello, you know, and they, they will answer you. They'll respond to you and they'll say, Mr. Barner, please hit the power button, all right? And they will help you to go through a process to shut the power down. Uh, because so many times, just resetting. I, I've, I've done that around the office so many times. Uh, I'm like the little tech support here at the church, all right? They, they kind of, uh, when things go wrong on the computer, they'll call me, and I'll come down the hall, and I'll say, all right, give me a few minutes, step aside. And, uh, and they'll come back, and their problem's fixed, and they're like, well, what did you do? I said, it's a secret. I reset it. I shut the power down. You power it down and reset it. And so many things work so much better. So in your life, you're going through a time right now where, where you'd like to probably reset some areas. We're going we're to take this series, and we're going to start today uh, with laying a foundation for how to reset some areas of your life, all right? Um, we we want to go and look at some key areas and, and how, we can, how we can reboot, give, give a fresh start to so many areas of your life. And, uh, and watch God transform and do some, some pretty exciting things in your life. <clears throat> you heard the, the story about a young boy. He asked his father uh, what his New Year's resolution was going to be. And the little boy looked up at his dad and so, you know, Dad, what, what is your New Year's resolution going to be? And the boy looked down at his son and said, Well, son, my New Year's resolution is to make your mom happy every day this year. And the little boy was like, any other resolutions? He goes, nope, that's it. That's all I have. And I thought, that's a pretty good resolution, isn't it? And so he went over to his mom, and he says, Mom, Dad only has one resolution. What's your resolution? And he, his mother responded, well, son, I only have one resolution as well. And my resolution is to do everything to make your dad keep his resolution. All right? Um, you know, it, it, this is a time of year. You're thinking about things. You, you, you want to do some things that are really good in your life. And there are so many, so many good things that we can do that we can get involved in and be doing. But sometimes we just get overloaded, we get overwhelmed, we get locked up, and we have to hit the reset button. Forbes magazine uh, in 2013 wrote an article, and I'm sure they write articles every year about New Year's resolution. But this one in particular stated that 40% of Americans make New Year's resolutions. 40%. There's 223 million Americans, and 40% of all Americans will make a New Year's resolution. Only 33% will watch the Super Bowl. Did you know that? I thought everybody watched the Super Bowl. I didn't realize that there's people that don't know it's on. 33% of Americans. So um, there, there, that means that roughly out of that 200, uh, 323 million Americans, that means about 130 million people will make resolutions. 130 million people. Um, and, and then it goes on to say that, however, only 8% of the people will achieve their New Year's goals. 8%. So here you are, you're setting out, and you've got all these ideas of what you'd like to do, and, uh, and you're set out to do something new in your life, and 8% will only make it till the end of the year. 
Only 8% will be successful and, and continue on. And why is that? What gets in the way? What stops us from making changes that we desire in our life? And I want to start this morning with laying a foundation of how to really make some change. We all desire change. We all want to change. But yet we resist change. There's things that you want to do in your life that are new and exciting, but yet we resist it. And we resist it because sometimes it'll make us uncomfortable. Sometimes we have fear about the change. Uh, Sometimes uh, there's just elements to it, that the, the unknown. But yet, we still desire that. We desire something good. We desire something that is wholesome, something that, 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 will, that will make us a better person. So this morning, I want to give you a, a couple thoughts here about resetting your life. Um, w- one person put on our, on our Facebook page, they, they said that, uh, you know, wouldn't it be nice if there were a reset button? I, 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 in response to the, the promotion for this series, they, they put, it would be nice if we could really do that. And my, my challenge to you is that, yes, you really can do that. You really can reset your life. You can come and, and become new this morning. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus is the only one who can reset your life. Would you read that with me this morning? Jesus is the only one who can reset your life. You, you, you may have come in this morning and you're dealing with some issues. You're dealing with some shortcomings, some, some failures of the past. And I want to share with you that Jesus is the only one that can help you overcome that. He's the only one that can reset and give you a fresh start, if you will. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Look what the apostle teaches us here. Uh, Paul writes here, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. He says, if, if you are in Christ, then you are a new creation. I, and I've, I've heard that verse taken out of context so many times. I've heard people tell me that, well, that means that when you become a follower of Christ, you don't sin anymore. You're going to be a good person all the time. And I said, well, it doesn't match up to my experience. It doesn't match up to the experience of many people that I've seen. So what does it mean to become a new creation? Uh, If you are in Christ, if you become a follower of Christ, he says that you are a new creation. And so here's what he says. He didn't come to change your behavior. He came to change you. Now, aren't you thankful for that? Christ did not come to change your behavior. He came to change you. I like what Ravi Zacharias says. Ravi Zacharias says that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He didn't? No, he didn't. He didn't come just to change your behavior. He came to make dead people alive. You see, Jesus Jesus came to free us because without Christ, we would be dead in our sin. We would have no power over our sin. We would have no hope. We would have no future. So Jesus came knowing your sin. He died on the cross to pay for your sin. And therefore, he has come now and he has paid the price and he has created you a new person. The old things have passed away. The new has come. Uh, what, What has become new? What has become new is our view of Christ. Our view of Christ has become new. Our view of other people. Our view of, uh, of ourself. Think about this. Uh, how do we view Christ? Before, you, before God made you a new creation, before God did this work in your life, what was your view of Jesus? 
the, the people of that day, the, 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 the Jews, uh, they had a view of Christ. Their view of Christ was not that he was the Messiah. And when they became a new creation, those Jews stopped trying to follow the law and became followers of the risen Lord. They realized that this was the Christ, the one who came, who fulfilled all the law. And so their view of Christ changed. How about you? How has your view of Christ changed? Have you come to understand that he is God, that he is the one and only? He is the only way to heaven. The scriptures tell us that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father. No man gets to God but through Jesus. Has your view of Christ changed? How about our view of other people? You know, have you ever noticed that sometimes we tend to hold a, a, a tight ship on others around us? We, we tend to pass a little bit of judgment on those around us that, that are not like us. We tend to write people off. Have you ever done that? Have you ever written somebody off? Um, you, you know, it, it's one of those things, maybe you, you didn't verbally do it, but just kind of in the way you acted, you just kind of said, well, listen, now that we're new creations, we don't have to go there. I can look at other people and realize that God has a person. You are a human being that Christ died for. Jesus came to pay for your sin. And that person that you're struggling with, that, how I view those others, I don't have to view them for their shortcomings. I, you've had people in your life that have hurt you, that have let you down. Some of, some of the challenges that we have in our life are because people have hurt us. Because people have let us down. And when we become a new creation in Christ, this is the ability that we have. We now have the ability to look at somebody else and say, wow, I don't have to hold a grudge on them. I don't have to hold anger on them anymore because they're a sinner and they're stumbling just like I am. And I offer to them the grace that I have received. Wow. That is how I get to view others. And how about myself? How do you view yourself? Uh, you're stumbling. You have all these problems. You have all these trials. Jesus said, I have made you a new creation. Old things have passed away. You are no longer trying to get your self-esteem from somebody else. You get your self-esteem from God. You come before God the Father. You are his child. The identity that we have as being a child of God. When you follow Christ, you, he's called you unto his, unto his name. You're his child. That, you know, my children, I, they have certain rights as my children. I, I'm the child of God. You're the child of God. You have the rights of the, of the child of God. You have so many benefits of being part of his family. He says that he has made you a new creation. I think sometimes this time of year, people start to, uh, to try and turn over a new leaf all the time. And they say, I'm, you know, this is a fresh time. I can have a fresh start, and I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Well, may I share with you that Jesus didn't come for you to have a new leaf. All right? He came for you to have a new life. He came to change you at the very core of who you are, not to change your behavior. You see, because when, 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 we, when we come and you're changed as of who you are, then things change. And so what happens in our life, so many times, we, so many people will have this mentality that if I live a better life this year, that somehow God would be happier with me. And I think that's really a sad, sad statement. Because even as Christians, we have this mentality that if I behave, God's more pleased. God is happier and God will love me more. May I share this with you? There's nothing that you can do that will earn the favor of God. 
God's favor, his grace upon you is his favor upon you. Can we, can we understand this, that I don't deserve to go to heaven, I don't deserve to have an abundant life, but his grace is shining down upon me. It's shining down upon you, and he says, I love you so much that even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to send my son Jesus and pay for your sin. And yet, I'm going to go out and live a life of trying to please. And, well, you know what? Maybe if, if I stop doing this or I start this and, and I, I read the Bible through ten times this year and I start going through all these things, maybe God will love me more. No, God has given you all the love that you'll ever need. He cares. His grace is there. His grace is sufficient. I like what Timothy Keller said. Timothy Keller, one of the great Christian thinkers of our day. Uh, some have referred to him as the, the modern-day C.S. Lewis. He says this. He says, he says that religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. But Christianity says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. You see, it, it, this is how this thing works. Your obedience the responsibility. We have responsibilities as a Christian. But me living up to my responsibilities, me going out and living a, a wholesome life and doing these things, guess who benefits from that? I do. I, I'm not gaining the favor of God. I'm the one. God's given me a plan. He's given you the plan. You get to open his word, and when you open his word and you read it, and you find out what he wants for you, and he's speaking to you, and he tells you to let go of a grudge, guess what? He has transformed your life. He's done something really powerful in your life at that moment. You didn't gain his favor anymore. Uh, you, you, you've, you've, you're the one who's benefiting from, the, from being a child of the king of kings. Christianity says, I'm accepted. Jesus has accepted you. Therefore, I follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Solomon was uh, one, one, of the, one of the wisest men ever to live. One of the richest men ever to live. He had it all. He had, he had all the money. He had all the people. He had all the wives he ever wanted. I mean, you name it, he had everything. And he was frustrated. You know, when you're coming and just trying to turn over a new leaf... And that's what we do. It's 2017. You're looking back at last year. You're trying to chart your course for this year. And as you do that, I want to encourage you to become new. Let God transform you from the inside out. All right? And here's what he says here. Uh, the, the, uh, Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. He says, I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in, in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. He says, I've, I've gone through life. I've turned over the leaves. And it's like chasing the wind. He, he goes on in verse 15. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. Sound like your life? You're trying so hard. You're working on some areas, and some of these areas are just troubling you so much. You're, you're, you're almost in anguish. You're frustrated because you can't conquer certain things. Solomon says, listen, I've been there. He says, I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. 
So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. This morning, the reason that I want to encourage you to reset your life is not for self-help. Uh, you know, there's so much self-help out there. You can go to Barnes & Noble right now, and they have so many self-help books. And some of them give some good practical advice, no doubt. But the way to be reset is to be renewed in Christ. To let Christ come and to let him make you a new person. You know, it's like you go to hit that reset button, and man, that baby goes down and starts over. And this morning, we're going to be talking in the next couple of weeks about how to hit those buttons in our life and really just pause and let God give us some new fresh vision in some areas. But it starts here with Christ. It starts with Him. And may I encourage you this morning, understand if you've trusted Christ that you are a new creature. You don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to be enslaved. You are a new creation in Christ. Second thing this morning to understand is that to be reset is a process. Only Jesus can reset your life, but it's a process too. I've been around and I've seen some people that have had some miraculous testimonies. Uh, Through the years, I've heard of some people that were were on all kind of addictions and have come to Christ, and miraculously, in the first month, all the addictions have stopped. But the reality that I see is that many people don't have that. Many people have a process. It's called the lifelong journey. And there are people that are dealing with addictions. We have Celebrate Recovery to help us. We're we're meeting, we're, we're helping and infusing God's Word into our life. It is a process. And so don't be frustrated because you're not where you want to be. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a process. God's working in my life, and he's working in your life. And so what did the Apostle Paul say in, in Philippians chapter 1? He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who, who started the work? Not you. You didn't start the work. Jesus started the work. Uh, You may be looking and you're saying, man, I'm really frustrated because I can't quit this or I can't start that. And these are certain areas of my life that have grabbed hold of me. And Jesus says, the Apostle Paul here is telling us that Jesus is the one who began the good work in you. And he says, I'm confident. I I mean, that's a strong word. I am confident that he who started the work in you He's the one that will finish it. He will carry it to completion. He will, he will finish it when we see Jesus Christ. In other words, your life from the time you come to Christ, as you're following him, he's changing, he's working. It's a struggle. We're going back and forth. How, many are, how, how much control will I give God in my life? And as, as we get to that point, when we see Jesus face to face, then is when we are perfect. Then is when the journey is done. Uh, The the Apostle Paul shared over in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. The book of Romans is a fun book. Uh, Romans chapter 1 through 11 is all theology. 
it gives us some, some, some of our strongest theology we find in the book of Romans. We see about man's condition. He's sinful. We see about the punishment for our sin is, uh, is to be separated from God forever and ever. Uh, and, 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 and then we see God's, God's plan was through Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, separation from God in hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So you see all this rich theology. You see about creation. You see so many incredible things from Romans chapter 1 through 11. Then on Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul swings it a little bit, and he comes into some heavy application. And he says, based upon this theology, based upon all this heavy stuff, that God is who he is, that you are a sinner, you needed a savior, that Jesus came, he is your savior. He says, therefore, I beg you, I beg you. He's pleading. He says, I want you to give yourself as a living sacrifice. The people he was talking to, they understood the sacrificial system. They would bring a sacrifice. It was a, a lamb, and they would, they would take the lamb and slay the lamb and lay it on the altar. He says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. And he says, I want you to give. It's not necessarily a call to martyrdom. God may call some people to martyrdom. And you read Fox's book of martyrs, and it's absolutely incredible, uh, the people that have stood up and died for their faith. But God says, I want you to live for your faith. I want you to live for me. I want you to be on the altar before God. One commentator said there's just one problem with a living sacrifice. They quite often like to crawl off the altar. (laughs) And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've come into a little part of your life where you say, all right, I've come, I want to live for God, but man, I kind of just crawled off a little bit. I've kind of gone off and done my own thing. I've got to get back onto that altar. Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to give yourselves, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform anymore. Do not conform any longer. He tells you how to do it. He, He says, number one, place yourself on the altar. Number two, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That word conform is a strong word. It, uh, it has the idea of this. Uh, here's what happens. Here's, here's how we conform. Conform is whenever I let things on the outside change the inside. To conform means I let the, the pressures, the forces of this world, the things on the outside, I let the things on the outside change the inside. Um, we understand what it means to, to conform. And we understand what it means to, not, to be a nonconformist. When I was young, uh, I was known as a, a bit of a nonconformist. Uh, I had a paper route in my neighborhood, and I went around, I delivered these papers, and, and I had a particular pair of shorts. They were Bermuda shorts. My mother's here. She'll tell you this is true today, okay? Uh, I had these Bermuda shorts, and I would wear them pretty much every day as long as I could till winter came, all right? I would go out, and they were, they, you know, this was back in the day. You've got to remember, whenever I was young, guys were wearing those little short, short things, you know? I was wearing Bermuda shorts before they became in style, so I'm a trendsetter, right? I'm I'm walking around my neighborhood, and not only were they Bermuda shorts, they were red, white, and blue checkers. 
They looked like a picnic table, okay? Um, and, and half the time it looked like I ate off of it, all right? So, I mean, it, these, I just wore them every day. I wore them out. I'll never forget, I even went out and I, I had to, back in those days, you had the, the paper boy would come and you had the big ring and you'd have to rip off the little receipt and hand it to them. Some of you remember that? You know, some of you don't even know what a paper boy is. I feel so bad for you, okay? I was the boy. I had papers. I brought it to your house, all right? So I walked around the neighborhood down in Dormont. I had 150 on my Sunday route. I was so proud of that little business. And, and I would walk around, and, and I'd put a pen in my pocket and go around and collect these things. And one day, the pen exploded in my pocket. And you know, all my friends mocked me about that because I kept wearing them, even with this big ink spot, okay? I, they felt so comfortable. They were, it was me. I, no, no, I didn't care what anybody else said. My mom begged me not to wear them anymore, okay? I would go out. I would just keep wearing them because they were so comfy. It was, it was like, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, and they, they knew when I was coming. And you see, what I, did, what I was not about to do was uh, I was not about to let anybody tell me that my shorts were bad, I was not about to let anybody else, I was not going to conform to somebody else's fashion statement. And some say you haven't yet, you know, still haven't conformed to a fashion statement, right? Um, uh, listen, that's what happens when we conform. We come and we, get, we take and we get approval based on what somebody else says. That's conforming. You are a child of God. Your values the values that God has placed in your heart, they're so different than what is in the world. They are night and day different. And when you're going to work, I want to encourage you, the people, most people that in your environments outside of the church, many of the people out there have a complete different value system. And so you're coming along and you are, you're trying to not conform. Now, you don't have to wear Bermuda shorts like I did. You don't have to have the red, white, and blue checkered shorts. You've got to be out there, and you've got to say, I, am, I have my values. And what those people, what my friends, all these people who I so, somehow think that if I've made them happy by, by being a part of a certain way of thinking, that somehow that I'll fit in. And certainly we all want to fit in. I, I, a chameleon does that. A chameleon fits in. Did you ever study about a chameleon, how they change colors? It's kind of interesting. I was reading that some, some, of, some of the chameleons, you know, they'll go out and, uh, and then whenever a certain point comes, all of a sudden they, they can change their patterns, they can change their, their colors. Uh, some of it's for protection, others is for socialization. And I thought, wow, isn't that us? Uh, we, we come out here, well, God has given us this, this rich values that I am an eternal being, I have eternal life, and yet whenever I get out there, I just want to be accepted so much that I can change my color so as I don't stick out. He says, do not conform. Do not allow the outside to change you. See, all my life I heard that verse, and I, I heard it taught in the context of, you got to be different. And I was like, man, I'm already different, man. <laughs> you know, I'm already odd enough. No, it's not, you don't have to be odd. You have got to come and not let the forces of this world change your inside. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, he talked about two realities here. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The first reality that he talked about was the world. Uh, he, said, he says that there's the world, and uh, the world, if you look through the book of Romans, you'll see that he talks about the world, and he talks about there's some good parts about the world, but there's so much brokenness in the world. 
Uh, there, there's some, the world is a beautiful place. God made it for us. But yet we are living in a world that is filled with brokenness. There are broken patterns. Some of you have, uh, have come from areas of life. Some of your life, and I think we all have to a degree, where there's broken patterns. And so he says here that, uh, that, that, that there is this world that we live in is a, is a brokenness. But he also... Excuse me, he also talks here about not only the world, but he also talks about heaven. There's a reality of heaven. And this is the second reality that we have got to understand as you're making a change here. You see, there's the reality of the world that we have to live in. And then there's the reality of heaven. And while while we are here, God has got something for us over here. And our whole life, we, we, we talk about this that one day, but you are a citizen of heaven. Let, let's look here at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 this morning, he says this. He says, For I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destruction is their destiny, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. He says, listen, uh, he says, their, their God is their stomach. He's talking about desire. That in the ancient Near East, they believed that desire resided in the belly, in the stomach. And he says, their God is their desire. And as, as they come out and they desire, they desire things of the world. They desire things, things to be accepted. They, and you fill in the blank of the desire. He says, I'm crying because so many people that and I believe they were probably followers of Christ. He says that so many are living, says that they are living, I've told you before, that, and I say it with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross. Uh, they are living as enemies of the cross because they don't, they're, they're trying to get accepted. They are conforming. Their, their, their pattern of behavior, their pattern of, of, of who they are, they've allowed everything to be changed based on their surroundings. But look at verse 20, Philippians 3.20. It says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, We eagerly await a Savior from heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. You know, whenever you, you look at the world, and then you look at heaven, he says that we, we have the values of heaven. And this is the contrast here. And as you are setting your goals, here's what happens. So many people come and they will set their goals with this in mind. And completely forget, as a child of God, that we have this. That we have the values. What were the values? What's the values that the Apostle Paul put into his life? He put in love. That's the value of our God. He placed love in his life. Unbelievable generosity. Incredible forgiveness. Kindness. Uh, These were the things that he placed in his life. He took the the, the values of heaven, the values of God, and placed them into his life. He wasn't about to conform to the thinking of the world that if I just work harder, if I go out and I sacrifice everything, if I'm just accepted by everybody, he, he wasn't willing to go there. He said, I'm different. You see, as a citizen of the United States, you have a passport, don't you? And you take that passport, you go into another country. The man looks at it, scares you by his looks, stamps it, hands it back to you, and you enter his country. 
When you come back to the United States, you, they, you hand them the passport. The man looks at it, says, do you bring anything back with you? And you say, no. He welcomes you back home, right? Um, there's things about an American. We have rights as an American, right? We, we're Americans. And so the same this morning, there are rights as the child of God. We have values that are so different. Uh, he says, do not conform, but he says this. Go back to uh, Romans 12, 2. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's what transformed means. Transform means to be changed from the inside out. You see, conformed was whenever the outside changes my inside. To be transformed is when the inside is changed and that changes the outside. If you go out and try, to, and, try and live a, a good life and try and turn over a new leaf and do all those willpower things, that's commendable. But the real way to do it is to let God transform you. And when he transforms your heart, he transforms everything in your being now that's how this is done. And look what the Apostle Paul says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts right here. That's what we're going to be doing the next few weeks. We're going to be going into our mind and renewing our mind, resetting our mind. There were so many good things that have happened in your life, but we all need from time to time a reset. And as we come, I want to encourage you to set your goals with this in mind. Set your goals with heaven in mind. Set your goals with the values of God in mind. And don't be conformed to just being happy with something that's going to be short-lived. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to invite you to respond to God. Jesus came to this earth and he paid the price. And you can be a new creation in him. You can be a new creature. That's where it starts. It starts with Jesus. And maybe this morning you've come and, and, uh, and you, have, you have every reason in the world why not to trust Christ. I want to encourage you to lay those reasons down today and by faith reach out to him. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I need to be made new. I need what you've been talking about this morning. I need Christ in my life. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, start out 2017 by this, starting a relationship with him. And if that's the attitude of your heart, you can respond to Jesus this morning and just quietly repeat this prayer after me to the Lord. You don't have to pray it out loud, but just quietly, inwardly, respond to the Lord. Say, dear God, I come before you today and I realize that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I don't understand it all, but I know that you came to this earth. You paid the price for my sin. You died, were buried, and rose again. And I invite you in my life this morning. Thank you, Lord, for making me new this morning. If you prayed that prayer today, would you, would you share that with somebody? Maybe it's your friend, it's your family member, somebody that you care about. Would you share with them today 
that I opened my heart to God and he made me new and I'm going to let him transform me from the inside out and this morning maybe there are others in our auditorium maybe you have been conforming to the world you've been getting your, your value from those around you maybe you're getting your value from other people from other places from other, other things God says you're his child he's made you new you're his child will you respond this morning with a commitment to start the journey of transformation will you start the process to allow God to reset to reboot and to work on some key areas of your life Father God thank you I pray for all those in this place this morning that responded to you and I pray that you'll take your words Lord and may they speak into our hearts all week long in your name we pray Amen Would you stand with us one last time as we close out with uh, no one higher